0: Major funding for telehel is provided by Dave's Archives. If you're looking for retro commercials from the 50s all the way up to the 90s and possibly some points beyond in the future, turn to Dave's Archives, also home to the TGIF live stream on Friday nights. Go to davesarchives.com by Retrocirc on YouTube, home to the off-duty mind players and all those off-air commercials that he likes to put up so much from the 80s and 90s. Go to YouTube and type in Retrocirc, spelt with a Q at the end. And by the continuing financial support of our patrons at Patreon.com/TelehelPodcast, including Mr. Cheeseball, Drew Drewski, Mitchell, Rick Colacki Jr., Robert Marquez, Chris Michaud, Meredith Morrissey, and Neil Weinstein. Thank you.
1: We're coming to you live from the Underworlds Press Room, located in the center of Hell, where moments from now, the narrator of the podcast, *TeleHell* will be recapping all the events that took place in the past season of the show. And if there's time, the narrator will also be fielding questions from some of the worst human beings who've ever lived. This is being done to, and I quote, bring those who missed out on hearing the show this past year up to speed on what's been taking place during the past 22 episodes of the show. We are also to believe that we may get a preview of things that may be happening in the next season of the show, set to premiere in early October, as well as an update on the show's Patreon and... Wait a minute. I believe the narrator is approaching the press room now. As we understand it, The narrator has been trying to reach the center of hell via goat caravan these past few months. In spite of their stubbornness, they managed to make it right on time. We're now going to take things live from the podium.
0: Please be seated. My opening statement will be a brief one. Taking a look at this room full of the most evil masterminds known to mankind. I know how valuable your time is when it comes to being the collective spirits of conquest, war, fear, famine, pestilence, and death. So I promise not to take up more than an hour of that time. Uh, That being said, I, or... At least the boss's secretary has called this press conference of the damned to a number of purposes today. As you know, we just completed season four of Telehell, and we wanted to use this opportunity to answer some of the questions that you may have regarding our past season's efforts. Time permitting, we will also go over our progress on Patreon, patreon.com slash telehellpodcast, and if there is any further time remaining, a look at what's to come in our upcoming fifth season of shows. And that seems like a good jumping off point to tell everybody here that there will be a new season of shows, and that season will begin on October 2nd, 2022. Before we get to the future, we must acknowledge the past and present. Page two. I am happy to announce that listenership has risen exponentially in the past year, but not to a point where we get to be paid hundreds of millions of dollars to express, and I quote, batshit crazy opinions, end quote. We realize that we are just a niche podcast, and we have no intention of being anything else at this juncture. Our footprint on social media has also expanded since the start of the season. More people are following us on Twitter and Facebook at Telehell Podcast, and we expect the trend to continue to rise, pending whoever and whatever entity or being plans on buying Twitter next. Most importantly, we are on the verge of becoming a profitable shell. Previously, our profit margin consisted of only drier lint. Today, I am happy to say that the margin has now shifted considerably from drier lint to the sum of exactly one thin dime. I did not say that it was much, but at least we are not in the red, and one thin dime is something. That takes care of the numbers and statistics. I will now open the floor to questions. Keep in mind, I will try to answer as many as I can before time is up. If I fail to get anybody today, you are more than welcome to submit them to me in writing at our email address, telehellpodcast at gmail.com. And maybe we will do a follow-up slash telehel 4 in the coming future. Yes, you with a pointy weapon in your hand.
1: Hi, Lizzie Borden, Axe Enthusiast Monthly. Is it safe to say that the increase in listeners this season can be attributed to turning the podcast into a bi-weekly show? Or do you feel that there are other factors involved? Well,
0: making the switch in our schedule is a part of that, but I wouldn't call it the most significant reason for our boost this year. While the extra time it gives us to make a show does help in the overall quality of things, sometimes we get to cover things that just naturally seems to pull in larger than normal numbers. Take for instance the show with not only the biggest number of listens this year, but also one of the fastest growing shows we ever did, Our Christmas show, taking a look at 1988's A Very Brady Christmas. Please look to your monitors. Mike, you can't do this to me. You can't tell me you know what you're going to get me and not tell me what it is.
1: Yes, I can. You know why? No, why? Because I'm mean and cruel and sadistic.
0: Yes, I know that. I just hope you're generous, too. (laughs) Seriously, the thing that I said could be happening during the credits happened after the credits... Deck the halls with wasteful filming, as we then see... I thought maybe you and I could do some business together,
1: here. You tempt me. You really do.
0: <laughs> Dialogue that would better fit in a Brady Bunch porno, apparently. Till the summer when the lady the fellow, and they knew that it was much more than just lunch, that the two must get it on together.
1: It was a real good home Holy living fuck, I was kidding I didn't think that was a real thing Go back to the G-rated Bradys, please I have to meet Ted Roberts, you're the one who introduced us I didn't know it was going to ruin my love life
0: But before we reach that inevitable conclusion The Bradys aren't the Bradys Without their handy housekeeper, Alice Sam walked out Without saying goodbye No, Mrs. Brady My husband left me a note Written on paper from his butcher shop
1: Dear Alice, I lied to you. I wasn't working nights plucking chickens. I met a younger woman. At first, we just traded meatloaf recipes. Then one night, she asked me over to season her rump roast. Are you
0: sure they didn't accidentally film this with a script from a Brady porno?
1: Have our discussion. <laughs> <clears throat>
0: Thanks, Mom, for bringing us back together. Thanks, Mom. Uh, Me? All I said was, time to get up. (laughs) You can
1: be late for breakfast. Oh, for fuck's sake, it's not a porno. It's not a porno. It's not a porno. It's not a porno. Don't be sorry. Just be Wally.
0: And just as Marsha and her hubby show a passionate display in front of the entire family, including her children, and I continue to question whether
1: this was supposed to be a porno or not. Sam, don't you ever do anything like that again well
0: like the beastie boys once said like sam the the butcher butcher, bringing alice the meat
1: i I was referencing a song lyric that wasn't a porno joke
0: (laughs) to this day we still do not understand how the brady bunch of all people can be that promiscuous and or horny but I did not write the movie, Sherwood Schwartz and his son did. Uh, yes, you in the tri-corner hat.
1: Benedict Arnold, the traitorous times, given my own history of turning against the country I emigrated to, will there be more episodes in the future where you go against popular opinion, i.e. your episode on Scrappy-Doo? Well, Scrappy
0: was a special circumstance in our editorial opinion. For many years, there seems to have been some consensus out there that thought that he was one of history's greatest monsters. No offense to you and everybody else in this room. We just wanted to see if any of the hatred was justifiable, so for the first and probably last time in our show, we felt that a full-on character study was necessary to see if all the hate that the character got was warranted in the first place. I ask you again to take a look at your monitors. Abandon Scrappy in the desert, and then they turn him into the bad guy. For the record, the movie wound up making $275 million at the box office when it was released in 2002, which, unfortunately, also meant that $275 million worth of moviegoers were suddenly conditioned into thinking, hey, maybe Scrappy was more of a dick than we thought. Why the sudden change in mentality? According to the DVD commentary for the movie, choosing the villain was the problematic part of production, as the makers did not feel comfortable simply giving a role to an anonymous monster, and that the ending was in bits and pieces, and that the confinements forced them to be creative. While one of the co-writers of the movie put it this way, quote, There is a Scrappy because he exists in the cartoon, so we have to acknowledge him, end quote. That co-writer's name, by the way? A young pre Marvel James
1: Gunn. Ah!
0: Despite previously stating that he felt, quote, kids didn't care, Gunn later admitted with some dismay that younger viewers had reacted poorly to the development, admitting that he had not understood how popular Scrappy was with five and six-year-olds, saying, quote, I still think it was funny that Scrappy was the villain, but there are kids out there who are really upset, end quote. The sentiment only ramped up from there, thanks in no small part to continuous chatter online, including chats, forum posts, memes, and even analytical programming.
1: Other podcasts!
0: All of which decided to turn the We Hate Scrappy bandwagon into a full-on movement. And just like that, the 180 of turning Scrappy from a franchise-saving TV character to one of the animation world's biggest pariahs was well into motion. Suddenly, it became okay to hate Scrappy-Doo, not unlike Meg Griffin from Family Guy. From that point forward, any future adaptations that even mention Scrappy, sometimes without even mentioning his name at all, would pretty much be reduced to a he-who-shall-not-be-named level of animosity. Don't believe me?
1: Puppy! Puppy! <laughs> wow, I haven't
0: seen... Look away, Daphne. We all promised each other that we would never speak of him. Not ever. Well, I guess the gang's all here. Except Scrappy. What's a scrappy? Yes, you, in the fancy robe? Tomás de Torquemada, the Inquisition inquirer. Huh. For some reason, I thought you'd look like Mel Brooks. Don't get me started. Ever since that movie came out decades ago, all I get from people is, Hey, Torquemada, what do you say? It gets old. That and all the Monty Python jokes. Anyway... You flirted a little with controversy this season. Uh, here we go. That episode you did, that sitcom pilot with Norman Bates, obviously we heard you apologize ad for the mistakes you made on that one. But did you have to turn it into a running gag for the rest of the season? It looked very much like season 14 was indeed going to be the last one and that this last episode was planned ahead of time. Hold it. So, we found out something as we were editing this episode, and it's a little too late to actually change things right now, but we want to get this clear out of the way because the last thing we need is another ghostwriter incident. Before we start, we're going to do something that we've never done before on this show, partly because today is going to be one of our more densely layered subjects, and the last thing I want is yet another ghostwriter incident. All we're doing here is stating what happened as a matter of historical record. Nothing more. Because you make a mistake in one episode earlier this season and suddenly you have to throw in more disclaimers than a pharmaceutical ad. But I digress. (sighs) Okay. This is going to be the very last thing I will ever say about the Ghost Rider pilot. Recently, we got a positive review from somebody listening to us on Apple Podcasts. And, by the way, we do encourage anybody listening to leave reviews on Apple Podcasts once in a while so that we know what to improve upon in the future. The review said, in part, quote, "...the one drawback recently is the narrator is too hard on himself about the Ghostwriter episode. If Alan Spencer can't take being poked fun at after all he's done in the past..." Then it's his problem, not anybody else's, keep up the good work, I look forward to the show every week." That being said, I should clarify that the problem was not the fact that I was criticizing the show. After all, Telehell is a program about TV criticism. I would not be doing my job if I didn't do that. The issue with the Ghostwriter was that I got information about the show's production incorrect partly because there was a lack of information available, as well as a lack of information involving Mr. Spencer's career, which I had unknowingly omitted. (laughs) Spencer used all the teachings of Marty Feldman, among others, to embark on his own comedy career. And after a series of false starts and minor miracles, Spencer would eventually make his mark by 1986 when he created a detective parody series called Sledgehammer. Trust me, I know what I'm doing. Now in the conversation that we had on Facebook, Mr. Spencer did direct me to a split-sider article about all the other work that he did that, unfortunately, the IMDB website failed to mention for some reason. So in that regard, that's what I screwed up, but I still stand by my criticism of the show itself. In spite of all of that, I did leave the conversation with an open invitation to Mr. Spencer if he ever wanted to come on the show either to take down a show with me or if he wanted to do more of a standard interview program. As of press time, nothing has been scheduled in either case, but the invitation remains open to Mr. Spencer should he choose to accept it. Otherwise, I consider the issue closed, and we at Telehell will continue to strive to be more diligent in future episodes when it comes to the research that we obtain and vet for accuracy. Uh, Yes, you, with a pointy
1: stick. Vlad the Impaler, Disembowelment Digest. If you're an employee of Hell... How come you are always doing things for charitable organizations? Isn't that a little counterproductive around here?
0: Ah ha ha, you are uh, referring to our charity episode. Well, part of the reason why we do a charity show each year is because, whether it's hell or not, it's still a chance at some good PR. And Satan knows this place could use a positive spin once in a while. Now the episode that we did this year, which is the one where we reviewed that awful Ferris Bueller sitcom, actually helped us raise over $250 for the National Alliance on Mental Illness, or NAMI for short, which was already more than we raised for the previous year for the Red Door Community slash Gilda's Club for the Gilda Radner TV movie. So we see this as a sign that the charity episodes will continue next season charity for next year to be determined at this point but I refer you once again to your monitors so we can recap Ferris Bueller (coughs) and at 8.30, 7.30 central everything you thought you knew about a teen movie classic was about to be put through a Cuisinart
1: life is one damn thing after another Mark Twain said that after he changed his name I'm Ferris Bueller and I've never changed mine Once they put me up on the big screen, it was out of the question. But come on, Matthew Broderick as me? No way. He's too white bread. Too two-dimensional. Too, too tootsie. Goodbye. This is television. This is real.
0: I'm sorry. This is not a part of the show. This is just a dramatization of what I wish NBC did once that first minute was transmitted to the viewing public. I mean, how do you diagram this first minute? The person portraying Ferris Bueller is telling viewers that the Ferris that they saw in the movie was fake, and that he, the kid with the chainsaw... The CHAINSAW? ...is supposed to be the genuine article very bold way to start things off, but also very stupid and reckless, especially when you're trying to ride the wave of success from the very thing that you're trying to be an adaptation of. At least on other movie-to-TV adaptations, they don't do something like this. Like, you'd you'd never see Alan Alda chainsaw a cardboard cutout of Elliot Gould on the pilot episode of M.A.S.H., I don't care how non-canonical this is. If you're using the characters and their name, at the very least, use a little dignity instead of entering the scene by falling downstairs. Oh, and also, this declaration? This is television.
1: This is real. Dude! You're a 16-year-old kid with a chainsaw in your room who's about to do more fourth wall breaking than Family Guy. Not even 60 seconds in,
0: and the concept of real might as well get chainsawed, too. Uh, yes, you
1: and the woolly hat. Genghis Khan, the pillager post. Uh, Wait, wait... Why do you sound like John Wayne? Because nobody knew what I really sounded like back when I was alive, and the 1950s were questionable times for filmmaking, Pilgrim. So thanks to that cowboy, I'm stuck with this voice for the rest of eternity. (sighs) fair enough. Uh, Your question, sir. Circling back to what Mr. Torquemada said about controversy, you did an episode about the Geico Caveman sitcom, and in particular, the sitcom was alleged to have had racial undertones attached to it. Will you be covering more shows like that in the future? Well,
0: sometimes certain subjects cannot be avoided, especially when it involves a TV show with a short shelf life. In the case of Cavemen, I'm not 100% certain if it was just a victim of political correctness or if the show was really a metaphor for race relations or anything else like that. But the one thing I know for sure, the idea of a TV show based on a commercial which happened to be a fluke hit is still a stupid idea, as you are now about to see. The thing is, it doesn't matter what I do or what I say, this is the way you're all going to see me. I'm okay with that. This is who I am. I'm a normal guy who makes stupid mistakes. I'm a guy who has who has a brother and, and a best friend who who can be complete jackasses. In other words, you know, I am just like all of you. But there's one difference, see, because I I love Kate, and Kate loves me, and I don't care what you think. I'm going to marry her, whether or not I get your stupid blessing. And before I go, I just want all you to know that you can kiss my ass! Oh, yeah. <sighs> it's a sad state of affairs when a speech like that is actually making me pine for a canned applause track. But is all the effort worth it? Joel, I. Uh.
1: Horner. Enjoy that. And uh...
0: So he gives him a watch? Is that supposed to be another caveman stereotype? Like are they attracted to shiny things? Eh, maybe I'm reading too much into that. Point is, Joel stood up for himself, and the rich father is at least somewhere near off the fence about having a caveman for a son-in-law. Yay? With a minute left, how do we tie things up?
1: Unfortunately. It seems someone has stolen the tip jar uh, from the bartenders. If anyone has any information regarding this incident, please see me or any of the other board members. Are they looking at us? I think they're looking at us. Where's the car? Tootie, that's your cue.
0: Normally, this would be the part of a TV screening where every single TV critic who was at that screening practically looked every ABC executive in the eye and wondered out loud, What the hell were you thinking? But unlike other pilots where the network would simply pass on it, there was one problem that the ABC network could not ignore. The fact that the network had put their name, their studio, and their revenue behind the production. And to drop it from the fall schedule at that point would be a waste of time, effort, and especially money. So, what was the network to do? Geico Cavemen. Spokes creatures. A sitcom barely alive. Gentle demons, they can retool them. They have the technology. They have the capability to make a show that doesn't have an ample supply of racial undertones. Caveman will be that show better than it was before. Better. Funnier. Less offensive.
1: Now see, if Geico.com
0: had taken that approach instead of telling everyone it's so easy a caveman can do it, I wouldn't be having an
1: existential meltdown
0: right now. And to answer your question of... Will we be covering more so-called controversial shows in the future? I can say a conditional yes to that. The condition being that we find people to bring on the show to help us make sense of things because we really don't want to wind up saying the wrong things about certain subjects. We want to make sure that we do things right, especially if the subject happens to be a sensitive one. And that is all I'm going to say about this issue at this time. Yes? Judas Iscariot, editor, Traitorous Times. (laughs) Well, 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 we've got a VIP here. What can I do for you, sir? Well, since you just brought up the letters VIP... Would it be possible to spill the tea on the guest stars you had this past year? And
1: possibly preview for us some names you might have booked for next year?
0: Well, I can only tell you so much. Without you going against my back, of course, for the requisite 30 pieces of silver. (laughs) Oh, you... Anyway, uh, we did have a bit of a struggle with guest stars this season, partly because our switch to a bi-weekly schedule shifted a thing or two around, and some people that we tried to get suddenly wasn't available. Fortunately, we were able to get a few good people to join us this year, including Dave Zamora of Dave's Archives, one of our sponsors by the way. He came on to talk about commercials that aired during that big football game. And the boys from the Happy Days podcast, uh, Peter Freeville and Joe Blevins, uh, they came on to talk about Gary Marshall cartoons. And I even went on TV Guidance Counselor with Ken Reed and also returned the favor to our good friends Peter Melnick and Eddie Wilson of The Marvelists. But by far our biggest get this year, and probably one of the toughest ones to put together, was when our judge, jury, and executioner upstairs a.k.a. Diva from Musical Hell, helped us out with our season premiere subject, Viva Laughlin. So, with all of that in mind, here's a look at some of the fun that we had with our guest stars this year. Uh, Monitors again. Wait a minute. You sound familiar. I know, I know. I get that a lot. No, I think I actually know who you are. You're the guy who advertises my YouTube channel, are not (laughs) you? Last we meet, Dave of Dave's Archives. Welcome to hell! Wait, I thought we were just doing things on the barter system. Y- you send me old videotapes with commercials on them and we advertise each other's shows? Uh, oh crap, you're not here to take my soul, are you? You've come to collect? Calm down, Dave. The last thing I would do is pressure a sponsor. As far as I'm concerned, we're both square on business. I brought you down here because you're probably a bigger expert on commercials than I'll ever be. And I was hoping that you could assist me on our induction ceremony today. Induction where? Where
1: else, but... The Big game Hall of Shame. They act and look
0: just like you remember them from the live-action show.
1: These are fun, early 80s cartoons. They will entertain you, ironically or unironically.
0: And for me, it was unironically. I just liked them for what they were. (laughs) Perfect. Your cameo fee will be in your PayPals momentarily. Thanks. By the way, how did you get our phone number? (laughs) Hello, this is Hell. We practically invented the NSA. We would have found you eventually. I'm getting a burner phone after this.
1: Ugh, me too. And I thought telemarketers were bad. And he would be played by
0: an up-and-coming young talent named Andrew Dick. You called? Uh, what are you doing here? Uh, did you not just
1: mention Andrew Dick?
0: No, not you, Andrew Dick, from the That Week in SNL podcast, wherever you can hear fine podcasts all over the world. I meant Andrew Dick, the comic actor and human equivalent to a full-body dry heave. So, why not just say Andy Dick? Because I'm trying to make a serious point about the guy, and I always use the formal name whenever I'm being serious about something. Fair enough. So, you don't... Need me and Timmy for this one? No, but I am kind of curious as to how you got here without me dragging you this time.
1: Well, you never did patch up the hole from when you dragged us down here to do the Gilda Radner TV movie, Uh, so I used a rope to repel myself down here. A rope that I now see is catching fire, so if you don't need me for anything else, I gotta run. (laughs) By the way, this guest appearance is gonna cost you $500! Uh,
0: yeah, sure. So, where does Viva Lockwood? When- uh, wait a minute, aren't we forgetting something? Nope, show's over, and this is where we wrap things up. But wasn't there another moment from the show that people have used to turn it into the punchline that it is? Can't say that there is, so let's just go and... No, I remember it was on that show where Joel McHale made fun of TV shows. I would recall Viva Laughlin jokes on Community. And besides, wasn't Abed more adept to obscure references? Oh, wait, now I remember. That was when he hosted the soup. Soup? There's no soup. Why would I know a soup? Let me just do a quick YouTube search. I really think we should leave well enough alone on this one, Your Honor.
1: Ah, here it is. Diva, don't! I'm still standing there than I ever did. Looking like a Jew, so- Why why would you cancel that? We
0: need that. Yes, you, with the uh, sacks of money. Ivan Boski, Wall Street Journal Prison Edition. It's been a little over a year since Telehell launched its Patreon page. Can you tell us a little bit more about the progress there? And what do you have planned for this year in terms of perks and premium content a very good question and by the way if you see Bernie Madoff in your neck of the woods tell the big lug he uh you know still owes me millions will do anyway uh this is actually one of our uh, lengthier sections of discussion so perhaps it might be wise for everybody here in the press room to take notes and Anybody watching at home may want to take some notes as well. We did have a bit of a slow start with our Patreon this year, and again, that is patreon.com slash telehellpodcast, but that's to be expected in any first year. Now, there's also credence to an old expression, and that is, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, which unfortunately is not to be confused with another expression, if you build it, they will come. So, long story short, we may have set things a little too ambitiously. Some of the, okay, all of the premium membership tiers that we have may have been marked up a little too high in terms of price structure. And there are also some of those membership tiers that may be a little superfluous and unnecessary. To say nothing of how inflationary and future recessionary prices are affecting listeners all over the world, we just want to be as accommodating as possible in terms of affordable luxuries. So, as of today, and this is where the note-taking comes in, uh, we are going to be instituting some major changes to our Patreon price structuring. The first change being the elimination of our lowest price tier, the tip jar of the damned citing the fact that absolutely nobody has pledged at that level, but more people have actually tipped at the premium content level than any other membership tier that we have currently. So to help even things out, we're also going to be lowering the prices on our existing tiers in an effort to not only pick up new subscribers, but hopefully increase volume that way. The new price structure on our Patreon is as follows, and if you'll permit me, I must now slip into my best Art Fern impression. my friends. The new Patreon price structure is as follows. The tip jar of the damned is no longer a thing. We've eliminated it. Premium content of the damned still exists, aka the bonus episode we drop in conjunction with our regular episode. The price is now $2.66 a month, down $1 from before. The shout out of the damned, aka the part where we mention your name at the top of our show, plus previous perks, the price is now $4.66 a month, down $2 from before. It gets better! Media of the damned, aka the thing where we send our patrons a piece of vintage media in addition to the previous perks, its price is now $6.66 a month, down $4 from before. Sir of the Damned, aka the chance to make a priority request for a future episode, plus all the previous perks. Price is now down $10.66 a month. Down $10 from before. Keeping in mind that the premium perk can only be used once and all other perks are in perpetuity. As you wonder how I go from Art Fern's voice to a transatlantic newsman, the co-host of The Damned, a.k.a. the chance for you to co-host an episode of Telehell with me after a somewhat lengthy vetting process, plus all the other perks. Price is now $15.66 a month. The premium perk can only be used once all other perks are in perpetuity. And finally, the executive producer of the Damned, a.k.a. all previous perks, plus a 30-second commercial for your business or podcast that will run in perpetuity, as long as you're a subscriber at that level, provided it's on the legal side of things. We don't want any drugs, porn, or anything that'll get us into even more trouble than we're already in right now. In addition, you will also receive your one-of-a-kind Tell-A-Hell t-shirt. The price for that is now... a month, down $25 from before. The premium perk and the T-shirt can only be used once. All other perks, including the 30-second commercial that we'll make for you, will be in perpetuity. My apologies. uh, I honestly don't know... uh, How to do the voice of Art Fern, like it started that way, but then it switched to Transatlantic, and then for some reason at the end it just turned out to be Robin Leach. I'm not an actor, I'm just a lost soul for all of eternity. Anyway, uh, we realize that these changes are going to result in a short-term cut in our existing profits, but we do mention again that this is being done so that we hope to attract more new subscribers that will add up in the long term. And this is in addition, by the way, to our existing patrons at the now outdated prices. We will find ways to prorate you if you feel that is absolutely necessary. We know that there are some people that are with us just because they love the show and we do appreciate them but we just want to be fair with our existing customers so anybody who's listening who happens to be a member of our Patreon will talk privately. Furthermore, We are going to be adding some new items to our digital gift basket for first-time subscribers. Uh, Originally, after joining Patreon for one month, and that toll would actually wind up going through, we would send you the link to a private file containing 600 megabytes worth of TV theme songs and various TV-related audio. Now today, we're announcing that we are adding 400 megabytes to that folder, so the total amount of content will sit... At one gigabyte even. All patrons, including our existing ones, will get that perk. If there are any further questions, you know where to reach us on our social feeds at Tele-Hell Podcast, at our complaint line of TeleHellPodcast at gmail.com, or even the Patreon page itself at Tele-Hell Podcast further furthermore we're also going to be reducing the total patreon related goals to more realistic numbers this way we can actually implement some of the changes that we hope to have implemented the previous year a lot more quicker than we advertised for it but a lot of that is subject to change and for brevity's sake those changes can be further elaborated on the patreon itself again patreon.com at telehell podcast As far as the future premium content goes, we've enjoyed an ample amount of success looking at our bad TV commercials, aka commercials of the damned, but we also realize that commercials themselves are a finite resource. So we're now committed this season to expand our premium content portfolio just a little bit. Yes, we are still going to be doing commercials of the Dand, and we're also going to be doing our outtake shows if and when we ever get more guests. But we are also going to be introducing a new feature to the premium section that we actually introduced last summer. In other words, we're going to be doing uh, new editions of what we call... where we call the possibly defunct phone numbers to equally defunct products and services to see if they still work or not. Furthermore, in an effort to maintain Hell's image of always being the one that you least suspect, we hope to introduce a new sub-review to the proceedings that will take a look at, shall we say, poorly produced educational TV programs... This, by the way, is not going to be uh, rated under the same nine circles of uh, telehealth that we normally give to our subjects. This is just a separate independent criticism slash bashing of educational TV shows that we are tentatively calling That's Edutainment. And this feature is scheduled to launch in the winter of 2023, if of course, we can find enough footage of the subjects in question. All of these changes can be recapped for you at Patreon.com/slashTeleHellPodcast, or by simply rewinding this program back by about a couple minutes or so. And we do have time now for one final question. Uh, uh, yes, you in the doctor's scrubs? Uh, yes, Richard Speck, Nurse Enthusiast Monthly. Are you uh, ever going to tell us what you have planned for your next season, or not? Uh, Yes, that is a very good question and this would also be as good a time as any to make a quick biographical note about the program. As you know, we recently adopted a bi-weekly schedule so that we could try to come up with better quality episodes for the average podcast listener. Now, while this has helped us creatively, it also stretched out our season last year to a point that we were not quite prepared for, as we use the summer months to get a head start on writing new episodes for the show. As a matter of fact, I'm happy to say that our first four shows of the season have already been written, and we will begin production on them as soon as we are done here today. Now, at the same time, it is because of that head start that we now feel that we can get more of a handle on things, but we still don't want to ruin what little integrity we've wound up building in this past season. So, with that, the first thing that I'll say is that starting on October 2nd, when we launch our fifth season of Telehell, we will be adopting another schedule change. Let me finish. Instead of doing things on a weekly or bi-weekly basis, we will be covering a maximum of three shows per month from October 2022 to May of 2023, when the fifth season of the show is scheduled to end. Again, that is three shows per month, with the occasional break in between, just so we can catch up on things, or as I like to call it, a Saturday Night Live-esque schedule. Now, as many of our followers on our Twitter know, we've been doing a live tweet for new episodes of SNL for the past few years, and part of the reason why we do that is that those are our biggest chances to advertise ourselves. It is because of that that we are going to attempt to align the release of our new episodes to the weeks that SNL has new episodes so that we can plug them during our live tweets all in all we hope to do at least 21 new episodes this season possibly more down the line or if we feel like it and finally this would normally be the time in the proceedings where we get to play a montage of shows that once we mention them out loud we get struck by lightning as a reminder that we need to review that show the following year or we face consequences from our boss Today, I am here to tell you that we are going to forego with that tradition for season five. Please, 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 please. Let me explain. You see, we're about to start the fifth season of telehealth programs. And as is the case in both showbiz and other institutions, things that are in a multiple of five or zero are often considered milestone points. And I put that in air quotes because I'm not even sure if these are real things or not. Also, in the grand scheme of things, it is my show, it's my storyline, and the hell stuff is ultimately something I write up to and including this press conference that's happening right now. So really, what is this world if not something I create? But meta subtext aside, I want to do something special this season. Yes, we're still going to talk about some of the stuff that got Thor's hammer acting up, but I also wanted to discuss things that really deserve their own special brand of attention. Which is why I'm here to announce that for the next season of Telehel, for the first time ever, we are instituting an entire season of theme months. you heard me correctly each month from october to may we are going to be covering subjects that have a common theme to each other there's going to be a different one each month for instance uh, back in our scrappy do episode i did make a passing mention of this also note to self uh, can i request an umbrella lightning strike for tv shows that use the new as part of their title all right thanks for that So, we are going to have a month of shows that contain the words, The New, in their title. Now, our episodes involving lists were some of the more popular listens this year, so we will have a month that contains nothing but countdown shows. And, of course, we are also going to be relying on a time-tested staple for us, TV shows that the Fox Network thought were good ideas, but ultimately were not. But perhaps even more importantly, I kind of find the situation a little hard to believe that we've been doing this show now for going on five seasons, and we have not once covered a TV show that aired on two TV networks that no longer exists. Ladies and gentle demons, that time has come. This season, we're going to be dedicating two months of programs to TV shows that aired on what used to be known as UPN and the WB. And as a cherry on top, we are going to begin this season of shows, which as we said, it kicks off on October 2nd by looking at three TV programs that hailed from what many people believe to be one of the all-time worst years for television ever. But that is all the teasing that I am going to give you right now. I will leave it to you to figure out what year I'm talking about, as well as what those shows may be that I just described to you. There is still a lot of planning to do, but in the meantime, I would like to use this opportunity to officially welcome you all to Season 5 of Telehell, the year that we are calling the Channel Surfing Season. And that will be all the questions I will take for today. For those who want to stick around for Treasury Secretary Dwyer's press conference, I strongly recommend that you have a helmet and Kevlar vest handy. Good day to you, and if anybody needs me, you know where to find me. Move out!
1: So there you have it. The narrator of Telehell laying out his plans both for the show's future and its financial future. Will these changes prove to be beneficial, or is this the start of a potential mental breakdown for the narrator? Answers to those questions will be revealed when Telehel's fifth season, heretofore be known as the Channel Surfing season, premieres on October 2nd, wherever you stream podcasts. And now, I understand the closing credits are about to roll. Let's listen in.
0: The following people contributed their voices to this episode in order of their appearance. The hushed reporter in the intro and outro was played by Rob Maurer. Lizzie Borden was played by Joan Bishop. Benedict Arnold was played by John Robnett. Tomas de Torquemada was played by Alex Avergun. Vlad the Impaler was played by Nikola Pechanovsky. Genghis, or should I say Wayne Giscon, was played by Chad B. White. Julius Iscariot was played by Mike Davison. Ivan Boski was played by James Hernandez. And Richard Speck was played by Sean Carney. Six of the nine performers and our announcer, Mike Porter, can be found on Fiverr.com or the Fiverr app. Guess which ones they are. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Telehell was written, produced, edited, and narrated by me, Justin Hart. Telehel will return for our season five premiere on October second, twenty twenty two. Until then, keep following us on our social feeds, Twitter and Facebook at Telehel Podcast, and follow us on Patreon at Patreon.com slash Telehel Podcast. Now with new reduced prices.